Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror films directed solely by women-identified directors to prove that the female of the directing species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is a girl who can get lost in her own neighborhood, <laughs> Ariel. <laughs> Ariel, we got, we got a little late start today. Do you want to tell the listeners why? Okay, listen. <laughs> First of all, I have no sense of direction. I could get lost anywhere. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That's I mean, fair. the last time I went to see a movie with you and our co-host on the Zombie Girls, Matilda, I went to use the bathroom and got lost on my way back and had to get help from somebody to show me which theater I was in. Is that true? It's absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Really? I got turned around. <laughs> what movie were we seeing? Do you remember? I think it was Knives Out. Holy shit. Yeah. I had I didn't no say idea. Anything, but I almost came in too late. <laughs> like <laughs> I almost, almost missed like the, the reveal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Ariel, I love you so much. Anyways, but today I blame it on the fact that for the Zombie Girls podcast, for extended episodes, we are reading a book called My Sweet Audrina. <laughs> and I was listening to the audiobook while I was walking my dog. And apparently I took a couple of wrong turns because I wasn't much like attention. Audrina herself. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got myself lost and I had, I may have had to open maps up on my phone to get myself back. <laughs> Was your dog looking at you like, lady, are you crazy? <laughs> Honestly, she knows the way better than I do, really. I should just, just like, let her. her lead the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You are a one of a kind, dude. You are a one of a kind. I will try to take that as a compliment. <laughs> no, it's absolutely a compliment. I would change nothing. Aww. I tease you because I love you and because you make me laugh, but I would change nothing. So today we're going to be talking about a little movie, uh, fresh out on VOD, Bloodthirsty, directed by Amelia Moses. But before we get into that, it's very important that Ariel let you know what our spoiler policy is here. So here at More Deadly, we are going to eventually spoil everything. But first, we're going to give you a little pre-review and tell you whether this movie is worth checking out. And then we'll tell you and let you know that spoilers are coming and then everything is fair game and we're going to talk about every plot point in the movie so yep. consider yourself warned all right but for now we're still in the spoiler free zone and i'm gonna tell you a little bit about the woman who created this film and a little bit about the creation of this film although in this case it's actually i'm gonna be talking about the women plural oh okay yeah all right so this is directed by amelia moses a canadian filmmaker currently based in montreal her previous work included the short body horror film Undress Me, which screened at over 30 festivals worldwide and had a limited release on Sh Shudder before moving to the Alter channel on YouTube. So you can actually go and watch. It's about 12 minutes long, and it's about a woman who has an encounter at a party, and then uh, her body starts to change. Ooh, okay. <laughs> it that is great. pretty gruesome, and I definitely <laughs> recommend checking it out. It is deep body horror. So if you're curious about that, it is available to you on YouTube. Again, it's called Undress Me. Her feature film debut, which she followed Undress Me, was called Bleed With Me. And it also stars Lauren Betty, who is the star of the movie we'll be talking about tonight. In this case, it's about a woman who is convinced that her best friend is stealing her blood. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they're in an isolated location, and she, over the course of this, I don't know, vacation, begins to believe her friend is up to no good. She's doing huh. some sanguine theft. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Bloodthirsty is actually her second film, which is kind of interesting since this movie is about a second album. Yeah, that's true. Some parallels there. This is her second film, and it premiered at Fantastic Fest in 2020. Now, Moses, she's had these three sort of prominent projects, and all of them have been very much in the horror genre. And she said that she's interested in making female-driven genre films. She was asked about why she likes working in the horror genre. And in an interview with Screen Rant, she said, You're always looking at the darker side of humanity and horror. Whether it's a character placed in a dark situation or the darkness coming from them. For me, I'm interested when the darkness is from them. I think that horror films uh, that I like... But the ones I like to make uh, are when the horror is an extension of the character and their inner feelings. It's such a great way to visually manifest what's going on internally through imagery or subversion of tropes or whatever it is. That just makes it a really fun genre to play around with, which mm. I Yeah, agree. you can totally see that with this movie. Absolutely. As for what she's working on next, well, that's a little unclear. According to Moses right now, she's mostly focused on writing. Though she is working with another screenwriter on a movie with a, quote, tentacle monster in it. So that sounds pretty cool. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. But nothing real definite. Okay. So something that comes up a lot when we're talking about this movie, a reoccurring theme that comes up, is that, that usually these movies are built by the filmmakers pretty much from the ground up. And it's kind of a byproduct of the fact that a lot of times they're just sort of having to fight their way to a place at the table. So in this case, it's kind of refreshing that the story of how it came to be is a little different. Mm, okay. Yeah. So Moses was finishing up Bleed With Me, and she was speaking with a producer about distribution, just kind of getting some advice. And he ended up putting her up in contact with another producer named Mike Peterson, who is one of the producers on Bloodthirsty. And he, in turn, ended up recruiting her for the project. She figured it was something that was maybe in pre-production, and you know, or not in pre-production even, just in development, essentially. And so she was really surprised to learn that it was going to start. It had been fully funded and was ready to shoot in two months. Oh, damn. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's so amazing. She, I mean, I feel like this is a story you rarely get to hear about women yeah. directors. I don't think we've heard any They're... stories like that in all of the research we've done on these female directors. Nope. Usually we're talking about the grind, right? Yeah. Getting the funding, doing the pitching, working on it for years and years and years. But nope, this thing really came together quickly. She read it, the script, and loved it. And after that, it was pretty much on and cracking. The movie itself was actually written by Wendy Hilltout and her daughter, Canadian musician lol oh that makes sense yes and lol of course wrote all of the songs for the gotcha. movie mm -hmm. yeah and through the process the two of them have been working in very male-dominated fields whether that's film industry or music industry and they kind of infused a lot of those experiences into the story itself and really found it to be a bonding experience that you know her mom talked about like i wish this was a situation that was getting better but there was a lot of crossover in mm. our, our personal career experiences. And so that was, like I said, a bonding experience and also found its way very much into the script of this, which explains the Vaughn character a lot. Yes, it does. <laughs> Woo! Wow. So as the movie was approaching production, suddenly Lowell's career kind of took off. 
she started working with a bunch of musicians in Los Angeles and things were getting really crazy uh, to the point where she wasn't even sure she really could do the film anymore, which her mom was bummed about. And she was like, I'm going to have to murder my child. Please (laughs) tell me I don't have to kill my own child. And, you know, they fought about it and eventually they did come to some resolution and the film was made in another a different interview with Screen Rant. Lowell was talking about one particular phone call she had with her mother where they fought and they yelled at each other and things really blew up. But eventually it was the call that kind of got her back on track. And in retrospect, now she's really grateful that she went through with it because it was such a wonderful experience for the two of them. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So the film premiered at Fantastic Fest in 2020 to overwhelmingly positive reviews and is now available for your viewing pleasure on video on demand. And if you enjoyed the music, Lowell actually released an EP of her singing all the songs from the movie to coincide with its release. And it's won a, actually won a bunch of awards in Canada. Oh, that's so, so cool. So now you know. And that's what I've got for the production and background. Awesome. So what do you say we talk about our non-spoilery thoughts of this movie? Okay. All right. You start. I've been talking a lot. (laughs) Okay. So for me, I feel kind of mixed about this movie. I'm not sure what you thought of it, but there Mm -hmm. are some things that I really liked and I thought that were fun and unique about this movie. And in other ways, it wasn't exactly what I was hungry for. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. I would think you'd say thirsty for, but I, I, oh, I, still, right, I follow. Right. I follow. <laughs> yeah, I should leave the puns to you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I someday the student will become the master, and I, I look forward to that day. <laughs> so I think that the acting is really solid in this. I especially liked the guy who played Vaughn. Mm-hmm. You would probably remember him from Rabid, which we did. Was that our first movie that we did for this yeah, podcast? Yeah, I guess I he was in Rabbit. He's actually in Saw 2, which is oh. I recognize. But no, I'm sorry. He's in Saw 5. Saw okay, five. that's why I didn't recognize him. Yes, that. he is gotcha. one of the, the, the five people that are going through the torture devices and oh, the, the B-plot right. in Saw 5. Well, he was also in that werewolf show, Bitten, that Canadian werewolf show. Yes! This is the one you... Yeah, I think... I don't know that you recommended it to me as so much as confessed you were watching it. Probably more of a confession. <laughs> <laughs> so not great? Okay. Good no, it's very... It's stupid, but it's entertaining. And if you want to see a lot of naked werewolf butt, you can watch, I mean, watch that show. <laughs> I don't There's one werewolf who just drops his pants constantly butt. and somehow is never wearing underwear, so... <laughs> Well, anyway. all right then. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Anyways, I thought that he was really interesting in this because they show sort of how he slowly manipulates her throughout mm-hmm. the movie. And I thought there were moments where he was genuinely kind of disturbing and creepy. Yes. I think that the woman who plays Grey is also pretty good and mm-hmm. and does a good job throughout the film. Honestly, everybody really does. Even the housekeeper. Mrs. Danvers? Yes, that's exactly what I wrote <laughs> in my notes, too. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. I thought she was great. Are you so proud of me that I pulled that? You know, yes, I only was able I to because you made proud. me watch that movie. <laughs> 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 the power of Ariel. <laughs> Look at me making these references and whatnot. <laughs> so I also really liked 
that it's not exactly your typical creature feature. There are parts of that that worked for me and other parts that didn't. So it's definitely more of a slow burn character study. And that's either, I think, going to work for you or it won't. And for me, for the most part, it worked for me. There were elements that I thought were really cool. Like, I think the music throughout is really great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times when you have in a movie a musician who's supposed to be really talented, often the music that they're playing is not very good and so it's harder as an audience member to buy into that idea Mm -hmm. that they're really good and I thought here the music was good and so it made sense to me it was also obvious that the actor was singing and she could sing yes yeah so one of the reasons the director selected her was they had worked together obviously before on bleed with me Mm -hmm. But she knew that this actor also had a background in singing and songwriting. So right away that she came first and foremost to her mind when casting. And I think that's the right call because when the character's lip syncing, you can always tell. Yeah, you can always tell. (laughs) And and I think being able to sing acapella in parts of it, whether those things work for you narratively is one thing, but it's clear that she's singing and she's singing well. Yeah. It prevents you from being pulled out of the movie. Yeah, it was definitely a smart choice. I think that there are some really strong visuals in this movie. And I think that the way that they filmed a lot of the sort of transformation stuff and the Mm -hmm. bloodier scenes was really smart because I know that that costs a ton of money to do that kind of thing well. And I think that the way they shot it was really smart so that you're sort of seeing pieces of things happening Mm -hmm. and not always the big picture. Yeah, all of that stuff worked really well for me. That being said, this wasn't my favorite, if I'm honest about it. Okay. I think that there are a lot of things that, like I said, were really strong about it. And when we go into more detail in the spoilery part of the show, I can go into more detail about the things that I liked because there actually were quite a few things that I thought mm-hmm. were really good. Yeah. But a lot of times with a slow burn, I think you need kind of a big payoff in the end mm-hmm. for it. And I didn't feel that as much in this movie. And I think that there are some parts in the first 30 minutes that are just too slow for me. It left me not connecting with the story maybe as much as I wish I had, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we'll have to get into more specifics when we get into our spoiler review. And, and and I'm mostly on the same page with you. I think for fans of the werewolf genre, there this is an interesting one because I do think it adds a little bit of a twist to the genre. It yeah. takes some of the really familiar tropes and kind of puts them on their head. Sometimes I think that works really well. Sometimes, like in the case of Charlie, I have some issues, but we'll get there. But ultimately, werewolf movies are very much about the metaphor. And in this case, I think the metaphor that they're going for is pretty interesting. The idea of transformation being linked to the creative process is an interesting idea. I think my favorite werewolf movie is Ginger Snaps, and that's all about becoming a sexual being, reaching sexual maturity, things like that. And this one, I thought, even though... It treads in some of the same territories, except for in this case, it's about creative process, which I thought was was interesting, as well as sort of claiming yourself as a whole person, including the dark parts of yourself and putting that into your work and how when you claim your whole self, it's how you become more powerful. I think all of that is really interesting stuff. And werewolf movies to me work best when they have a very good, solid metaphor behind them. I agree with you that across the board, the performances are really strong, especially uh, the Vaughn, what's the actor's name? I have it right here in front of me. Greg Brick, Burke, Brick. 
E-R-K, there are not a lot of vowels in there. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought he was really great. He's definitely chewing up every bit of scenery. Yeah, Um, he is. (laughs) He is having a great time being being the Count Dracula of this movie. Right. And and so um, that was kind of fun to watch. And I also think that the movie does have... A fairly good sense of sort of broody tension. It, it's very of the gothic horror variety. And the setting really helps to sell that. You know, it's a modern mansion, but it has sort of gothic lines to it. Like the giant door with the all the iron work on it. Stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's some really great visual moments, like you said. And especially associated with her transition. And there's a fair amount of gore in here. I think uh, gore hounds will find some things to enjoy in this. There's also a lot of eating noises, which is a bummer for me. (laughs) (laughs) But again, werewolf genre. I really should have seen that coming. So I have no one to blame but myself. But overall, yeah, I think this is a fairly fresh take on the, the werewolf genre. I think... That there are some interesting messages here. There, There's good bones to this movie. I like you have some issues with it. But I think if you are a fan of werewolf movies, this is definitely worth giving a watch to. Yeah, give it a look. All right. So those are our overall non-spoiler thoughts. So we're going to get into our spoiler thoughts now. So you have been warned. Any plot point, including the end, is now up for grabs. We may or may not discuss it, but it it's possible. I don't know what Ariel's going to say. She's a wild card. You <laughs> never know what this wild woman is going to do. So get out of here if you're worried about spoilers. Watch the movie. Come back. We'll get specific. We'll get into that nitty grits. It'll be great. By now, you should probably have shut off your, your thing. So I think we can go now. Okay. Ariel, give me that synopsis. Okay. So Bloodthirsty. Gray is an up-and-coming singer-songwriter whose first album topped the charts. Now she's scared her second album won't live up to the first, and she's struggling with hallucinations of becoming animalistic. She gets invited to come stay at the estate of Vaughn Daniels, who's a music producer who has worked with famous musicians in the past. Since she needs help completing her sophomore album, she and her girlfriend Charlie decide to go and stay there. But Charlie is nervous about staying at the estate because Vaughn was once accused of murdering a musician who he helped complete an album with. As the two begin work on her album, Vaughn pushes Gray to use her pain to write music and to be the predator and not the prey. As they continue to work together, Charlie begins to worry that Gray is changing and that they should leave because her mental health is at stake, but Gray won't listen. We soon learn that Gray's hallucinations are based in reality as she starts craving raw meat and blood. It turns out Vaughn is a, (laughs) I was going to ask you about that scene. We'll get to it. (laughs) It turns out Vaughn is a werewolf who eats hitchhikers to feed his hunger. He tells Gray that he did in fact kill Greta, the musician he was helping and having an affair with, but not before she had his baby. This baby is of course Gray and she too is a werewolf. Gray starts losing control and attacks her girlfriend. So Charlie leaves But having a change of heart, she turns her car around and gets stuck in the snow where Gray finds her dead. Gray returns to the estate to confront Vaughn, but he tells her that she was the one who killed Charlie. And as she watches him transform into a werewolf, she shoots and kills him. Gray then returns home, tells her therapist, I'm fine, bro, and plays a concert to a packed house. And that's it. (laughs) All right. Okay, so... I know we've said we have some issues with this, but let's start on a more positive note. What are some things about this movie that did work for you? Sure. So again, 
I think the acting is really great. Vaughn, I thought, was especially good. Like you were saying, he just chews up the scenery. There's some of his performance that feels very realistic and others where he kind of plays with camp, especially in the Uh scene where he's sitting in his chair covered in blood, just laughing maniacally. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he just sort of freezes and deadpans the camera. It's, (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty great. So yeah, I thought his performance was really entertaining and I really did enjoy the way we saw him slowly over time manipulate the way that Grey was thinking and almost kind of groomed her, you know? Uh, yes. Okay. (laughs) I was not ready for him to be dad because I really did not think that was the energy that he was right especially when he said he could smell the predator um excuse me Uh, (laughs) yes yeah like it's primal I'm like get the fuck out of here (laughs) this bullshit (laughs) but it made him creepy you know absolutely felt genuinely creeped out by him but at the same time he was helping grace so much musically that it's a bit understandable why she kept staying on top of the fact that she seems to just feel drawn to him in general so i really liked that and like you were saying about the fact that the woman who plays gray is an actual singer i think just sold this whole movie because so much of it hinges on her singing and so if the music had been bad or she was lip syncing the whole time it would have been so much harder to buy into it and i think what's so good about her being able to sing is that she not only sang well but there were parts where in the early stages when she was having trouble with her music where she actually Mm -hmm. struggles to sing at times yeah. And struggles to complete the lines and it feels very genuine that way. Yeah. We already talked about this some, but I did appreciate the change up in metaphor here. Like you yeah. were saying, so frequently it's about puberty or sexual awakening or just some sort of life transformation. Or the monster within a man. Yes, the monster within a man. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But here, you know, the darkness is inside this beautiful woman, and it's also I, I think so much about the music industry too, you know, uh, yeah, that yeah, yeah, she yeah, has yeah. to become this sort of predator in this doggy dog industry in order to get ahead. And then also, like you were saying, connecting her darkness and pain to her music and using it to feed the music and the creative process. So I think that what could have been a more sort of flat, boring werewolf story becomes more layered and interesting because these things are added to it. I agree. Okay, so I know we have some problems with the Charlie character, but the one thing that I did appreciate about it was that in the first few scenes of the movie, when you see them, for instance, in their apartment, I thought that their relationship seemed very sweet and it felt very real and lived in to me Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. those scenes. And so I think it's a shame that they didn't do more with the Charlie character and sort of how... She ended up kind of being cannon fodder, which we'll get to. But I did appreciate that their relationship felt real and that there did seem to be love and passion there. Yeah, I actually, I like the Charlie character quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely the only one that seems to realize that there's a problem here. That Vaughn's a fucking creep? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I My issue is, is the resolution of that character. Right. Yes. That's exactly. where I get grumpy. Yeah. I also thought they have two sex scenes between the two of them, but I don't think they were there in a way to be exploitative or even to titillate, really, which Mm -hmm. so often is the case when you have lesbian love scenes on screen. Yeah. 
Okay, so the other thing that I really liked is that there are some cool visuals and cool imagery oh, in this movie. Oh, yeah. So her hallucinations, for instance, just to start with, are really cool and interesting. I mean, especially I really was into the way that her fingers looked as her fingernails were growing out. Mm-hmm. And they got kind of gray and weird looking. I thought that looked really cool. And I'm always disturbed and grossed out anytime somebody pulls out their own teeth that freaks me out so (laughs) i had the subtitles on Uh and and it was like bone breaks and she pulls the tooth out i was like oh (laughs) the captions are making this worse so so yeah that always works to creep me out there are scenes of her eating a rabbit Mm. that while I did not appreciate hearing a rabbit squealing while it died, I did think her ripping apart this rabbit looked really cool, as did her in when she was in the shower and she was covered in blood and she was rinsing it off. I thought that was another cool image and scene there. Mm-hmm. I also thought that when... Okay, so Vaughn, one of the things he does is eat hitchhikers and the, his Mrs. Danvers housekeeper picks them up and brings them back to the estate and lets them go and tells them to run. And then he chases after them and kills them. And the scene of that I thought was very smartly done because again, I don't think they necessarily had the budget to do a big running chase scene where you could see a full werewolf on top of the fact that that honestly doesn't always work, you know, right. To, to just sort of show everything. So you see a lot of kind of quick scenes of blood and some fur, and then you see him silhouetted at the end. So I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was a smart way to do it. I wish we had gotten more about the Mrs. Danvers character. Right? Me too. She's so creepy and mysterious. I would have liked to have known more. Like, why, why is she doing this? Yes, exactly. Why is she so devoted to him when it obviously is upsetting to her on some level, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Because they show that a little bit. But yeah, she just keeps picking up young women and bringing them back for him it's yeah it's interesting did she win somewhere was she a super fan of his boy band (laughs) oh my god i wish that was true right (laughs) she has like his posters all over her bedroom wall yeah she won some fan club thing (laughs) oh dear yeah she's just so she has this this sort of brooding intimidating aura that she gives off she's so stern i think it would have been fun to have her in the movie any even more than she was but yeah i agree yeah okay do you want to talk about the scene where she drinks the blood (laughs) (laughs) that's in my cons but go ahead (laughs) (laughs) so i know why it's in your cons but it did remind me of the movie Rabbit too. Right, right. It made right. me think of that a lot. But I, I thought it was a cool scene, even if I'm you can't. Just getting tired of it as a trope. You know what I mean? You do I saw see it, it in Raw. I saw it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so gross. It, I mean, I get why it's used because it is yeah. extremely effective. I am insta barfy when I see it, and yep. so I, I totally get the appeal of it as a plot point and i do think it's so repulsive that of course it's a sign of uh, some kind of sickness right yeah so i totally get the use of it but oh i just don't like it <laughs> i completely understand you know what grossed me out more though honestly was the scene where she and Vaughn are having dinner alone and he's feeding her little pieces of his dude steak. dude 
Dude. It's fucking gross. It's super gross. Yeah. Major creepazoid vibes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Major, major creepazoid vibes. <laughs> There's also a great scene where she scratches her girlfriend's back when they're having sex. She goes too far and scratches her back and draws blood. And then Charlie, the girlfriend, kind of runs off and she's just sitting there on the bed licking blood off her fingers. I thought yeah. that was a very effective scene. Yeah, too. that was very effective. I agree. I agree on that one for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you had to say. I think maybe my favorite metaphor, the thing I think works the best to sort of add on to a lot of the stuff that you mm -hmm. said is, is the way that Vaughn represents men in positions of power in the yeah. arts yes. and how that role is so often both patriarchal and predatory. And in this case, he's literally both. Yeah, good point. And I think that's really interesting. A lot of the things that he does really can be read as a VC Andrews dad, you know, the <laughs> the picking out a dress for her to wear, hand feeding her meat. All of those things can really be read a couple of different ways as both predatory in a sexual way, but then also predatory in a very controlling way. And so those kind of beats to me were the ones that felt the most authentic especially after reading the background of the screen you know the screenwriting yeah. duo and how they pulled maybe not exact examples from their life but a general vibe and things that they've run into in both the music industry as well as the film industry Lowell specifically talked about instances in her career where she found herself in situations where she was 19, but with some 40 plus year old man who was promising her the world and right. a career. And it was her friends in her life that had to do a reality check like, no, 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 no. He, th this is, this is weird. This is creepy. And so I think Charlie definitely represents that character as well. And I think a lot of times the girlfriend character, regardless of the sexuality of your lead, there isn't much to that character. They either are very written very light or they're kind of the shrew that's getting in the way of this person. They're the mm -hmm. person that's making the most sense, yep. but they're not a sympathetic character to the audience. And I don't think that that's true with Charlie. I think that she's written with some nuance and she is so obviously correct that you as an audience member are team Charlie. And I appreciate that because it's one of the tropes that I dislike the most. You think yeah. about Breaking Bad, everybody hates Sky because, but she's right. Her husband shouldn't be making and selling them out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But she's, she's right. written like a villain. And so I appreciate, and I think it comes from, I mean, frankly, having women screenwriters to write a character like Charlie with some degree of nuance. And, it makes sense why she would turn around. It would make sense why yeah, she would stay does. as long as she did. Not because she's dumb or because the plot requires it, but because they've taken the time to really show you that there is real love and, like you said, passion in that relationship. So I like that a lot. I think visually there's some really cool things. To me, my favorite phase of the transformation is just when you have, when the actor has those gigantic, I don't know if it's CGI or if it's just, really cool contacts oh the eyes uh-huh yes i think yes. that is when she looks the creepiest and the most animalistic yeah especially because the actress herself has really big kind of downturned eyes she's these really uh -huh. beautiful unique eyes and they i feel like they look extra creepy in those giant contacts yeah it's really it's a really great visual yeah. moment and i do think the setting of this movie is really interesting i like how 
isolated it feels because not only is it out in the middle of nowhere but it's also in the middle of winter and then it's surrounded by all these tractors yeah and so it has this weird winter texas chainsaw massacre vibe so that when we have the chase scene and it's in and amongst all those basically they look like these metal skeletons coming up out of the snow it really does have great production value that's true mm-hmm. and so i like that as well and then obviously the music in this is great yeah I like that you can chart the evolution of her as a musician over the course of the movie, which I think is so important thematically that she is very hesitant and the lyrics of her original songs are very poppy. But as she kind of explores darker sides of herself and evolves as an artist, her voice becomes more confident. The lyrics become more confident. They're a little on the nose and gothy, but I think they work for because they mirror the theme of the movie. So I do think for a movie that is predicated on her being a musician, it's really good that the music is good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, there's so much of the music in this movie that had it not been successful, the whole movie would have tanked. Yes. My other thing I hate is in books when people will laugh uproariously at things that are not actually funny. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of thing. If the music is bad, I can't buy into this ingenue thing. Right. This music genius. I can't do it if the music is objectively bad. So I think having a musician who actually wrote these things and having someone who can sing really was essential to the success of this movie. And I think that that really works. Yeah, I think that's between the two of us. I think that's mostly all the things that really worked for the movie for me. I think we got to do it. We got to dig into some things didn't work should i go first or would you sure. like to go yeah first? go ahead okay i only have a couple so i'm just gonna knock them out real quick and then i'll let you do you boo okay <laughs> so with the exception of charlie one of my biggest struggles with this movie is just that nobody acts like a person <laughs> um, that's not true that is actually that's a bit of an exaggeration and i get that ultimately these people are not strictly people they are werewolves yeah but <sighs> I feel like Gray's response to Vaughn is hard to believe in some parts. When he's smelling her, when he's talking about her being primal, when he's dressing her up, all those kinds of things are incongruous. I mean, I understand that earlier in the film and she's going through a transition, but when we're introduced to her... She's being followed by a reporter who's asking questions, and she's extremely assertive with that reporter to the point where I was like, dang, don't be rude. Reporters are trying to do their jobs, all right? Calm down. (laughs) But she's she has no problem being very assertive. And so it's not like she begins as a meat character or someone who's seeking that sort of paternal bond, you know? And so when those things are happening, she is a queer woman who has has a successful record. I feel like she has far more power in the situation than the way that she responds to him would suppose. Right. She's not a nobody that was plucked off the streets and he's going to hand her a gold record or whatever. I mean, she's had success of her own. And you're right. She acts so submissive to him so quickly. And so hand-wavy about overtly creepy behavior. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it is a little weird. When he would obviously cross a line in a way that wasn't ramped up towards, but really out of the blue, and she was very hand wavy about it, I was like, I don't know if I play this character beat. But right, you know, overall, I think their performances are both really strong. So these are isolated incidents, but a couple of moments really stood out to me, specifically around the dining scene when 
and the yeah. clothes the dress when she walks in looking for his approval i'm like mm, i don't think so this is a successful queer woman right. <laughs> i don't i don't think so yeah <laughs> and i think they kind of try to play with that a little bit with her switching up the gender and the songs and i'm like i don't think so yeah let's not go there please <laughs> And okay, this is not really a con, just a personal preference. I I, okay. I preferred the partial transformation to the full transformation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think once you get into sort of the brow ridge prosthetic phase, it reminds me a little too much of Buffy. Whereas I think the aesthetic of the teeth and the claws and the eyes are so fresh and so unique and just genuinely unsettling that it becomes less so less in this case i felt was more but again yeah. this isn't a con this is a personal aesthetic preference but no, these I mean, are I thoughts right. that i had yeah i think that a lot of times with the transformations it works when it's in the beginning stages like you were saying and i think that if the movie is good enough and done well enough it can also work with a full transformation mm -hmm. but when you do this sort of in-between thing like they did where maybe the your back is raised a bit and you have the brow ridges, but everything else is very human about mm -hmm. you. It It's not as successful. Yeah. I almost wish she had, man, it doesn't, okay, this sounds weird, but I think in keeping with the theme of the movie, that beautiful creature is mm -hmm. actually more appropriate. Yeah. A final look. But then my final thing is my biggest con, which is the death of Charlie. Right. And I, get that they were trying to subvert the trope of at the end of every werewolf movie the werewolf's loved one has to kill them whether it's end of gender snaps or various werewolf movies where the partner has to kill the werewolf and put them out of their misery all that kind of stuff i get that but the choice to make the characters queer which i love by the mm -hmm. way love that the actor herself is actually queer so that's dope oh nice i don't know about the actor who plays charlie but the actor that plays gray is but it gets into the barrier gaze trope yep. in a way that I yes. feel really uncomfortable with. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I had in my notes, too. Yeah. I mean, As you just see it too frequently. We don't yeah. need more of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for a feminist film, I mean, and this is definitely a feminist film about personal evolution. I feel like needing to kill off the girlfriend to, to sort of reach her yeah Evolute i don't like her that. i don't i don't care for it i mean i i totally am on board with sending the girlfriend away but i think killing her is a step too far and actually takes what is a movie that is taking that is being pretty bold and kind of uncompromising in the way that it's just like yes women are complicated and we are good and we are bad and we are and when mm -hmm. we accept all of ourselves we are kind of when we can be empowered by the monster within us, because we all know that there's nothing I enjoy more than an angry woman narrative. Yeah. <laughs> so all that kind of stuff I was really on board with. And then I think killing Charlie really kind of sucked the wind out of some of that. And yeah, I, I almost wish they had created maybe some other side characters that we could have killed off instead if we needed just body count, you know? Mm -hmm. if yeah, we needed I agree. more bloody kills. Yeah. I mean, there's something very specific that they're doing. Yeah, there is. With this choice. I just preferred not this choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you no, know, I totally agree. I totally that's why agree. I, I do a review podcast and I don't make movies. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> How about you? Was there anything I touched on or I didn't touch on here that was not working for you? So I agree with what you were saying earlier about some of the 
the beats between Vaughn and Gray not feeling quite right. I also think that sometimes some of the dialogue was pretty stilted. And I don't think it was the fault of the actors because they did such a good job in most of the scenes. I just think there was a little bit of it that was off sometimes. Mm -hmm. So not a huge con, but it just, you know, it's just one of those things that bugged me a little bit. I talked about this a little bit in the beginning, but I think that while I am almost always here for a slow burn, this one I didn't find as compelling as a lot of them. I think you kind of nailed it with the whole slow burns need to be paired with some kind of impactful resolution. Yeah. And I think thematically it was impactful, but action wise... Not so much. Not yeah. as, not as not as much. No. Yeah. So so because of that, I wasn't as blown away by this movie as I maybe would have been otherwise. Right. There just wasn't that payoff that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And then you may disagree with me about this one, but oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Friendship <laughs> <No>. over. <laughs> um. So this movie, while it is a creature movie, it's mostly a character study. I disagree. Oh, no, actually, I agree. Okay. <laughs> Getting your hackles up for your yeah, feminist standard. <laughs> Activate. But because it's largely a character study, I feel like we needed to know Gray better than we did. We get little bits and pieces mm. of her backstory, and we mm-hmm. get a little bit of a sense of who she is. But I actually don't think we know that much about her and who she mm. is as a person. I think we just get a sense of her. And so because it's so focused on her and her transforming throughout this movie, I think it would have been stronger and more impactful had we known her better. I think that's a fair criticism because you need a point A to understand point B. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Friendship over. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, those were really my only cons. That and the fact that... uh, that bunny just made me sad. <laughs> yeah, I have a very good friend named Ariel who let me know. So I just hit the old mute button and covered <laughs> my eyeballs. <laughs> I really, I got to that scene and I was like, oh no, first of all, I got to warn Rachel about this. But also I don't, I know that you will understand this and maybe not everybody would, but I just kept thinking, can we not just start killing people already? <laughs> right? Can we skip this part where There's we're There's got to be a drifter we get people. off, right? <laughs> There's got to be some scallywag we can scoop up. (laughs) Some, like, creepy uh, groupie or something. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Less animal murder. More human murder. That's 2020. That's my vote for me. That's your platform. (laughs) Yeah, less animal murder, more human murder. I'm going to be a winner. You got my vote. You got my vote. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. I'm losing it. It's the end of the (laughs) week. This is my Friday. My brain is already on the weekend mode. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that's quite clear, Rachel. (laughs) You don't need to say it. We're aware. Yeah, but other than that, I think those were my only cons. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So overall, I think my my ultimate take is I think there is some interesting stuff here. I think thematically we're mining fresh territory with the werewolf genre. If you are a werewolf fan, there are going to be things here you like. If you're a slow burn fan, there are things you're going to like. There are maybe some things that you'll be not as big a fan of. But overall, I think this is a pretty it's solid. I would I would when it hits streaming services, I would definitely give it a look see. Yeah, definitely when it hits streaming services, I would say it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm excited to see what she does next. Because let me tell you, that uh, Undress Me is 
grody. Which <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta watch I that. like. <laughs> I mean, I, I did appreciate all the bloody stuff in this movie. So yeah. if there's more of that in her brain, I would like to see it. I want to see what she does with a tentacle monster. I hope totally. that happens. Yes. Yeah, definitely. All right. Awesome. Okay. So that is it for our review of Bloodthirsty. We don't have any listener mail that I'm aware of. Question No. Mark? No, not yet. <laughs> so Rita, watch the movies. I'm waiting. <laughs> On delay. Okay. All right. Cool. So if, like Sarita, you want to get in touch with us, Sarita, <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge, uh, email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com. Or you can come chat with us on the Zombie Girls Facebook page or hit us up on Twitter at ZG Podcast or on Instagram at ZG Podcasts, plural. And if you are enjoying the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to us. And if you're looking for something to watch tonight, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar on the Zombie Girls website. If you're a nerd and you like watching people play video games, check out our Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash zombie girls. If you want to be the envy of everyone you know and everyone who sees you everywhere for the till the <laughs> end of time, check out our merch <laughs> at tpublic.com forward slash zombies dash girls dot podcast. We got t-shirts, we got stickers, we got mugs, we got sweatshirts, we got baby onesies, all the good shit. So come check that out. Oh my god, uh, I need to see a baby in our onesie. That would be right? amazing. You have yes. a, n- a nephew? <gasps> Oh my god, yes. I need to get him a onesie. Okay. And if you love us and want to support us, we have a Patreon. You can support us there. And one of the great benefits of that is, for one thing, you'll get on our Discord. Where we be talking every day. And sharing lots of photos. (laughs) And being super goofy. And talking about movies. Talking about all kinds of stuff. What we're drinking mostly. <laughs> to that be part honest, of the feed is always uh, going. What I have learned is we are a bunch of freaking lushes. So <laughs> come counsel us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also you get an extended episode. Every episode on the network is extended. Every episode plus bonus episodes. I've got one coming out very soon where our good friend Jody is back and tells us lots of embarrassing stories that you're going to want to hear. So yeah, check us out on Patreon. I guess it just leaves our plan for the next episode. Now, Ariel, you are in charge of programming. Yes. I'm, I sense it because I've picked a couple of heavier ones. You're going to go really <laughs> light, really fun, horror comedy. I'm sensing a horror comedy. Am I right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. All right. What are we doing, my friend? I should have maybe gone in that direction, but I decided that one thing that you and I do every single year is oh put off I already really feel attacked. hard movies. <laughs> oh, no. What are we watching? And then we end up watching 10 dark movies in a that row is and true. hating ourselves. That's so. how we end up watching Possessor, Hunter, Hunter, Dark and the Wicked in a row. Yes. <laughs> Because we watched every, we watched all the fun ones up front. <laughs> all right, so, give me my homework. What am I watching? So this is a movie that you and I both have been putting off for a while now, but okay. we are going to be watching Saint Maud. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing: is I know it's going to be freaking great. I know it is. But I watched the trailer and she steps on some nails. <laughs> oh my god! Is that what's been keeping you from watching? Yes! <laughs> 
I know, I know, I know. I haven't even seen the movie and it's already in my forever slideshow just from the trailer. Wow. So I've been okay. putting it off because ooh. All right. Well, now's the time. You're gonna I have to watch over. it. <laughs> so this one is directed by Rose Glass and it's about a pious nurse who becomes dangerously obsessed with saving the soul of her dying patient. Honestly, well, we'll I'm going to love this movie. It's it is so up my alley. It is so up its yeah. own butt, which is exactly what I like. <laughs> it's going to be weird religious horror, which I is also what I like. It's going to be troubled woman horror, which is also what I like. I just got to deal with the nails. It'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, unless you're sticking around after the music for our extended episode, that is it. Ariel, take us out. All right, guys, that's been another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. Thanks for listening to us chat about all things werewolves. And uh, we'll be back next time with St. Maud. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. God bless. All right. So... <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host and good friend, Ariel, for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Sharden.